The following pod contains spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, listener. In this episode, we discuss our appreciation for the film Better Days, in which it does touch upon bullying and depression. So if you or someone you know is struggling with feelings of depression or suicide, please seek help immediately by contacting the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text HOME to the crisis text line at 741-741. Hey, if you want to be featured on our show, do an intro for us. Just go to realasianpodcast.com slash intro and introduce the show for us. Looking forward to hearing from you. As an imported Asian adoptee or hyphenated Asian, are you looking for stories and people that you can relate to? Yes? Then check out the Universal Asian. The Universal Asian is an open platform run in a magazine style with written articles, poetry, prose, photos, art, and videos on a variety of topics. No topic is off limits. They host online events that showcase what members of the Universal Asian community are doing and provide support through how-tos and discussions on topics of interest. Visit and subscribe at theuniversalasian.com or follow them on your preferred social media platform. Join the Universal Asian community today. I'm Haley Lou Pollard, and I want to hear more stories about Asians of mixed race identity, like me, so that we do not feel out of place in either culture not enough of one or the other, so that we can be reminded that we are enough. Wow. Okay, I didn't plan that. I just randomly picked my sister. Okay, should I cry? Should I cry right now or what? Should I just start crying or? What she said, I just recorded it. Oh, wow. Um, Haley, I love you. Wow. I know, I love you. That's my sister-in-law. Haley, I love you too. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Real Asian Podcast. I am Raymond Liu, and I'm joined today with Renee. How you doing, Renee? Hey, it's uh, nice and um, not chilly. It's actually quite warm in California, so blessed. Hashtag blessed. And we have a very, very special guest with us today, an actor, a content creator. Um, he's got over 21,000 followers, but who's counting? A man with many talents. Your friendly neighborhood, Blasian, hey. Mr. Ryan Alexander That's Holmes. Me. Yo, it's a pleasure. <laughs> You'd have, we'd have the band playing right now. I have major heart eyes over here for Ryan. <laughs> listen, so, listen. Yeah. I, I want to, first and foremost, I want to say this is awesome because mm-hmm. I watch so many Asian movies and and have nobody to talk to. Oh, with them hey, we're about, here. We're you know here. What I mean? And I'm just happy that you guys are here. Hey, you know what? I, I'm the same way where I watch something at home and I'll turn to my side. Oh, wait, no one's next to me. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I going to talk to about this with? Yeah. So I'm happy. I'm happy that you have a platform too. Like outside of me being able to do this, this with you now. Mm-hmm. I get to listen to your show, yeah, and 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 the content that you talk about with all. The, I I looked at the movies that you've reviewed, you know, and listened to some episodes, and I'm like, wow, like the Asian perspective. Why is that not a thing? Why, when I read a Rotten Tomatoes review or a IMD re- review, I can I know that it was not written by an Asian person. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I know that yeah. the perspective is not being out is not being shown or talked about. 
So yeah. once again, thank you guys for this. Oh, well, thank you for being on to the show and thank you for everything that you do. Um, you know, I want to spend a little bit of time just kind of introducing yourself and giving you a chance to kind of talk about your background. Um, I mentioned you're an actor and content creator, but just talk about your experience, you know, your life journey so far where you where you've gotten to this point. Well, I think my identity in sort of the identity crisis that I've gone through and continually am going through has sort of brought me to the the this point of wanting to be an artist and pursuing a, a career in acting. Right. Because there there's something that I just needed to express myself. I needed to express myself in the way that I needed to. Yeah. Right? I needed to find my independence through that expression. And so acting really is the it's it's fortunately and unfortunately it's like kind of the only thing that I can do. Um because it's the only thing that matters to me. And culture is so important to me because I was raised in an Asian household. Uh, and I'm African American household and I'm very close to both sides of my family and to sort of see both of these cultures reflected in me and then to see how society reacts to that mm. was something that I wanted to, you know, uh, not necessarily change, but make people understand that, that mixed race people and multiculturalism can be a path of harmony because it literally lives inside of me. Right. Um, and not just me, uh, your sister-in-law mm -hmm. who introed this, but yeah. this podcast, but countless others who show us that these distinctions, um, that we make amongst each other are, are important to a certain extent, but they don't make us not inhabitable with each other. I love that. You know, and, and a lot of, a lot of my content focuses on that, um, sort of that, that understanding that we are all human. And for me, because, you know, there's a lot of struggle and strife and, and pain and sort of uh, deciphering and delineating and investigating that within myself and, and in society, I use humor as my vehicle. Right. Because who doesn't want to laugh? And also, uh, I need to maintain my mental health. <laughs> so yeah i love i love that you know as a performing artist how have you had to adjust acting in on set um or offset auditioning during this pandemic i mean, obviously last year was everything kind of paused for a second but now i think the the acting or the the entertainment industry has had to adjust can you describe from your experience what that's been like uh it's been it's been interesting i mean the the industry has adapted itself right one thing about the industry is uh it has a lot of money it has mm. a lot of money and so it used a lot that of money, money to be made too yes yes so it used that money to adapt and i'm currently working on a show right now uh that i booked during covid and uh you know we get tested all the time and you know the safety protocol is such and it's been shut down once because one person tested positive Right. Mm. I, I emphasize one person because the crew and that, like, the crew is not just the actors. It's like all the people, right. camera operators, the extras, background actors, the director, the AD, you know, uh, the lighting designers, the set designers. One person out of like 200 people tested positive. So they shut it down for all it takes is one, huh? Yeah. I think it's like, I think like a month and then we came back. Um, so they're taking it, they're taking the necessary precautions and everything does feel safe. 
But in terms of the auditioning process, yeah, I think, I think the industry has sort of slowed down a lot. Uh, I think a lot of indie projects can't afford to abide by safety yeah. protocols. So they, they, yeah. they have sadly the indie projects have sort of gone down, but the big budget ones, they're on and popping because they got the money to, to, to provide this to, to abide by the safety protocols and stuff like that. But also auditioning are not, there's no in-person auditions. I haven't had any. Um, and it, I don't think that makes sense to have any. Like, are you going to test every person when they, before they walk into your office just to audition? Right. Uh, that doesn't make sense. So a lot of, a lot of the industry has just shifted to digital. So self tapes or like Zoom auditions, which for me, I love self tapes because, uh, I'm in control of everything. Mm-hmm. I'm in control when I want to do it. I could do it. I could roll out of bed and do it. I could call my friend and he could be my reader. Or I could call my other friend because I like that friend more f- to read this with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, can... you're auditioning those who audition you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm like, let me find my team. You know, and if I didn't like that one, if the due date's not, you know, I still got time, I'm going to go form another team and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. You know, so there's pros and there's cons. I wanted to ask you, I love how you use your creativity and comedy as a way to not only entertain people, but to also educate. Um, if those who've been paying attention to your content and the work that you've been doing and you've been very outspoken with kind of what's going on at the time, I would be, I would love to know your thought process behind that, how you come up with that content. Like you said, sometimes you roll out of bed and things just hit you, but yeah. is there a thought process behind it that you can share with us? You know, I, I, I watch a lot of movies and I, I consume a lot of, um, that kind of content. I, I try to stay away from social media if I'm not posting because it's a black hole. And it also, mm-hmm. you know, there are algorithms that control your, your every movement. You'd be scrolling and, and three hours would go by and you'd be like, why have I been looking at puppies for three hours? What does that <laughs> give you? You get to my puppy life? ads. Yeah. And then you, you get, get puppy ads. ads and I don't have a puppy. <laughs> Is this trying to get me to buy a puppy and a dog? And Puppies buy... just start walking in front of your place all yeah, of a sudden. Like, what's <laughs> happening here? Um, You're in a simulation. <laughs> yeah. So for, for me, I like to watch documentaries and I like to read mm. books and watch movies and TV shows. Um, what's the latest documentary you, you watched? I just watched the Bob Marley documentary. Mm. Oh, nice. um, and so honestly, when I watch that, I think of it, it sort of just organically happens. Like I'm like, oh, I want to make a video maybe about the Asian community. This is just random. I heard, I watched the, I'm going to tell you the process right now. I watched the, I watched the Bob Marley interview or a documentary, right? Um, about his life and, uh, how he's bringing multiple communities together, how he's half, he was half white and half black, full Jamaican. Um, and was always sort of, uh, trying to, trying to emulate that inner harmony that he had within himself to the world. And, Waiting in vain came on. Mm. And, uh, in my mind, I was just like, Oh, I want to make a video of like the Asian community outside a door and I'll be the Asian community. I'll be like, that's me. I'm the personified Asian community waiting outside a door, banging on the door, waiting in vain for the system mm. to give them the true equality that they need, mm. you know? And I'd ham it up and make it funny somehow, you know, I'll try to kick the door down, right. you know, but it right. starts there. It starts with That's something. The that message. Is, yeah, it starts with. It always starts with the message first, and then I ha- and then I find the humor that I can convey in it, um, because that's just the only. That's the only way that I want to do it. Like I want 
it to have a message because to me it's like if it's just humor for humor's sake i'm just not really interested in that uh-huh i can do that and you know sometimes you know for my own sanity i'll just be like you know what ryan just make it funny and just do it like just laugh it's okay you don't need a you don't need a message every single time i really appreciate that ryan i actually think one of my favorite tiktoks of yours is how uh you say that you're 100% Asian and 100% black, right? Yeah. Like you you there's no way to be able to kind of pull those two identities apart cuz that's you're yeah. you're a wholly that identity. I think yeah. you know, and especially like Thank you. yeah, especially like last year um during, you know, the murder of George Floyd, uh part of it that really brought the Asian community to the forefront was that, you know, the officer that stood by the side and said, "Hey, you know, stay back." He was Hmong. I'm, I'm Hmong too, right? And mm, so, mm. you know, part of that was having to have this reckoning in the Asian community. And, you know, I still get really emotional thinking about it because of the fact that there were so many, you know, supposed allies who basically were trying to pull those two identities apart of, you know, of the Asian identity and the black identity. And it's like, you're totally erasing the fact that there were quite a few Hmong people who are also black. Right. And yeah, and so yeah, having yeah. to, you know, having to basically, you know, uh, build your allyship around, you know, just just your Asian identity, completely erasing the fact that there are other, you know, uh, that there's this, you know, I, I think it was really powerful. Like a lot of the content that you've been creating the last year, I don't <laughs> I should probably go further back. I'm sure you've been creating content for uh, for years, but, you know, like as I a really, young lad, <laughs> but I really appreciate it. Honestly, it's only been six months since I started really. Really? Making wow. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't making content like the content I'm making now. It's just. Yeah. You know. So, so was there, wow, six months that I, for some reason, I thought it seemed like you've been doing it. I, you just had that <laughs> meteoric, meteoric rise. So, <laughs> was there a moment, I guess, but then again, six months ago is also a lifetime ago. Yeah. For, oh, for my us. God. COVID existence, man. That's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like 20 years. It's a COVID curve, is that what yeah. we're giving it? So, the, um, what I was going to ask is, was there a moment then to, where you thought to yourself, hey, I've got something here? Um, hmm. let me use my voice and my content to teach people, to educate people. It didn't start that way. It started like from just sheer, cause I, I was out of sorts watching that video, George Floyd video, cause it was so different than anything else that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Trayvon Martin, there's no footage. Right. Um, with other footage, it's, it's blurry and, you know, from a dash cam and you can't see everything. Cause, right, right. I mean, I was even in Minneapolis when Philando Castile was murdered by the police. Wow. Um, I landed there like two days before it happened. And I th- I was like, oh, I'm escaping police brutality in LA. I'm coming to Minneapolis. I'm safe. Oh my God. Um, and then that happened. Whoa. But it, it came from the George Floyd crisis, the George Floyd murder, and then me wanting to to say the thing, cause, cause I, I, I went to the Asian community and went to the black community and, you know, these, these rift, the rift that we're experiencing isn't, isn't a new thing. Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot of hurtful things from the Asian yes. community ab- during, about George Floyd yeah. and about black people in general. And I know those Asian people don't speak for the, uh, the totality. The monolith. Of, yeah. Right, of exactly. Asians, but they do exist. Mm-hmm. And, and hearing those voices did something in me. And, you know, I had this long talk with my brother because, and I was just like, just go, like you, we talked about, we overanalyze and we analyze Renee. Like I mm-hmm. was going, I was having this conversation with my brother 
and just going in on how I felt and let it all out and letting it all out. And he's like, Ryan, you should be, why don't you write this down and share it? And he's like, well, mm. and I'm like, well, no, but they're going to take it out of context and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. He's like, why do you care about what they're going to do? What do you have to say? Just say whatever you want to say, unfiltered, um, and trust that you have a good heart and you're aiming in the right direction and just let that guide you and carry you. So I credit my brother, that conversation with my brother a lot because it started, it, that was the first post that I made and probably the freest post I've ever made about, you know, what it, I, it started off, it started off with heat. I was just like, look, mm-hmm. I'm black and Asian, but the first experiences of racism that I felt were not from white people. They're from my own people, Asian people. Yeah. Wow. And I followed and I grew up in an Asian community and followed the, the minority, uh, model minority guidelines to a T. Mm-hmm. You know, I got straight A's. I got into a great university. I stayed out of trouble, yet I did not get the fruits. I did not get the fruits. I did not get accepted by the Asian community for doing all of those things. I didn't get mm. accepted, period, in the way that I thought I was. Right. You know? And then you're realizing that it's a, it's a myth. It's a hoax that's, that was created to pin us all against each other. Exactly. Mm. And I'm both Asian and black. Am I going to, am I fighting with myself? To a certain extent, yes. But am I right, fighting exactly. with, you know what I mean? In that way of like, you know, animosity like that we have between the black and Asian community, you know, through conditioning. I wasn't because I'm Mm -hmm. one person. I can't, I'm not going to punch myself in the face. Uh, (laughs) No, right. I I read that medium post actually by you and, you know, and, and it really resonated with me. I think that that's what makes you so relatable too, is the fact that, you know, you did have, I, you know, who wears shoes in the house, right? Not, yeah. not us, right? Not I. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, so you're, you're following all of these cultural norms that are to you. They're, it's natural for you. And yet you're, you're kind of being pitted in like this, like, oh, Asian versus black. And like, that's like not what you're about. And I really appreciated that perspective because there's this also added pressure with you having a platform, with you being in the entertainment. With you, like all these different things that stack up, and like you know, like for an example, um, uh, the black actor in Star Wars who plays Finn, John Boyega. Yes, John Boyega. Right, he went to Man. a protest and he was spitting fire, and he's like, you mm-hmm. know what, you know, fuck it, if I lose my my job, like this yeah. is way more important than whatever yeah. the industry tells me I need to be. Right. That's and yeah. ever since then, unapologetically black. Right, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you for doing that too. It's, I appreciate it's hard that. to step up. Listen, but not but. And <laughs> it's a constant battle because, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I love John Boyega for doing that because he showed all of us, look, I will, I can be a figure for you guys and voice, because vo- I can't get away with saying the things that he said. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. But right. I can internally understand that there are people who, are at the top or close to the top who are being unapologetic about the way that they feel. Yes. And, and the, and the things that they're going through, right? Because as a black person in America, I can tell you, or as, as a minority in America, there you go. I can tell you and you can tell me that we experience a, a different world, right? Yes. Being minorities. And because society is structured in such a way, that is not built for minorities, 
Mm-hmm. We are up against something every day of our lives. And the stru- the, the system will tell us to not complain. When really we're not complaining, we're just, we're just telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. But the system makes us conflate those two, you know, as different things or as the, as the sure. same thing as, the, as telling the truth as complaining. And it's not, you know, thank God for John Boyega. Thank God for all these Asian American actors and activists yes, as well yes. for speaking out. And, and I, I think it's a beautiful time, right? The media will, will highlight the animosity between the black and the Asian community, but really the Asian community is starting to understand itself, uh, and, and rally around itself, um, outside of it, the cultural divides that have separated us for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm right. Korean. I'm not Chinese. I'm Chinese. I'm not Japanese. I'm Hmong. We hang, we, we stay with our own. You know right. what I mean? I'm Korean. Right, we stay right. with our own. We're, we are now experiencing, I think, a rallying cry because our community is up against something as a community, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I actually, I read this thing online where it was saying that Asian American is actually, the term itself is actually mm-hmm. a, a political kind of statement, right? Mm-hmm. It, because what it does is that it removes those, the, the hyphenation of just, you know, our, you know, Korean, Chinese, whatever, and American, but actually makes it so that we can be able to have a uniting voice and be able to come up together, together, right? And, you know, so you've seen that happening in the community more so, being able to strip away the fact that there's these dividing walls um, amongst us to be able to come together. So, you know, I really appreciate, I really appreciate being able to have these, you know, very honest conversations about like racial identity. And how it ties back to media and entertainment, right? Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Listen, uh, I think we could we can go on and on. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like we can just keep this conversation going on and on. But we do have a movie to talk about. So I want to get into talking about the movie we are talking about today. But, you know, I appreciate your time and, and so much wisdom that you've been able to share with us, Ryan, and to our listeners. Thank you. Um, so today we are talking about the movie Better Days. It came out as a Chinese drama uh, centered around uh, a high school in in China, I forget the name, but it came out in 2019, and this was a film that Ryan suggested to us, and I'm so appreciative that he was able to share with us this movie. Uh, I mean, I could tell through his excitement in our messages. He's like, "Have you seen Better Days?" And I'm like, "No, I have not." <laughs> um, but when thank I, you, Ryan, when, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. But when we got around to watching it, I was kind of like, "Whoa, this is kind of crazy." And there's just so. There's so much movie in this movie. There's so many different layers in it. So I could see 175 why. minutes worth of movie. Oh, yeah, I know. I could see why there yeah, was so Jesus. much to unpack and unpick. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. We might not even have enough time to go through every single detail. But hey, with the two overanalyzers on the show, we might get to. So I would love to. <laughs> you know, overall, oh, yeah. going to be honest, I, I did have to split up the movie watching experience just because I had like meetings kind of in between. It did feel as if I was watching two separate movies and there are two facets to it. There's like uh-huh. the, the explicit message that's kind of set in right in the beginning, talk, talking about how bullying is a, is a problem. Um, I think not obviously not just in China, but just all over the world. And it starts off with an apparent suicide of a girl who was a victim of harsh bullying uh, by her classmates. And we see our main lead. Her name's Chen Yen. Uh, walk over and, you know, cover her body is kind of like a, a sign of respect, I guess, in a way. Uh, at this point, I, I'm kind of thinking, okay, maybe that was her best friend or close friend. You don't kind of know the backstory at this moment. 
But for some reason, by her showing that sign of respect, she becomes the new target of bullying from uh, her classmates, particularly this like s- small group of Chinese. They're like Chinese mean girls, honestly. I was kind of like, they're like the mean, yeah. mean girls. <laughs> Chinese like, sort of mean girls. Hella mean. Yeah. Like, way more mean than the mean girls. <laughs> um, as she's walking home, she witnesses a boy being beat up um, and kind of, you could say, being bullied too. And she tries to call the police, but the gang stop her and drag uh, her into the fight as well and, you know, abuse her. And they try to get her to kiss uh, which we now know as, as uh, Lu Bishan. Eventually, Bishan is able to fight them off and they leave. And now we start to see this unlikely pairing begin to develop this relationship. And at this point, I'm fully thinking, okay, this is about bullying. And I, I'm kind of curious to see how they will overcome this. And also notice how the uh, Gaoko, I believe is what it's called, the college entrance exam in China, it's like this warlike environment. You know, they're like lining up, formation. There's banners it's everywhere. It's <laughs> tough. Yeah. Battle cries. That's their sports. And I just got to think, oh, man, this there's so much stress. And it's like a pressure cooker for these students. Did you guys have that same experience doing the ACT or SAT kind of testing? No. <laughs> not <laughs> at straight, all. Straight up, straight up, no. I'm not even going to try to equate it. Not even the same <laughs> at all. I think I didn't even know when the test was being taken when I came into school. I was like, oh, is that is that today? Oh, today? Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, I think I have my – does anyone have a pencil? Yeah. Does anyone have a pencil? <laughs> oh, it has to be number two? Okay. <laughs> number two pencil? I don't have a number two pencil. Yeah. I'll, definitely, I would have not made it whatsoever. Uh, but I, I love how the movie does turn into like a love story in itself. Mm-hmm. So it's almost kind of like its own version of a Romeo and Juliet where you see these two seemingly very different worlds kind of come together. But at the same time, they're also victims of each other's worlds. And you see this blooming relationship that's blossoming. And I just took out of it, love conquers all, you know, let's just say mm. they're, they're, they love mm. each other. It's so cute. I know, right? And overall, I think it was just a compelling story. There's so many themes in the movie, like I mentioned. Uh, and it's just great to be able to pull and pick apart multiple lessons that from this movie. So Ryan, I do want to ask you how did you discover this film and what was your experience like when you first watched it uh i discovered this film through my chinese class um i'm taking a i'm taking a virtual chinese class shout out to chinese in 12 weeks shameless plug nice um a part of that class is like we share what movies uh chinese movies and and chinese tv shows and chinese songs and that was like one that was recommended by one of my classmates. And I'm like, oh, I'll check this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was going to be an action movie. Because I like to go into movies like, don't tell me anything about it. You think it's a good movie? I'll watch it. I don't want to know what it's about. I don't want to read the the reviews or like the synopsis or anything. I want to go into it completely blind. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it completely blind, not knowing anything that it was about. Um, and, and I think you guys know that that's a completely different experience. Um, can i tell you the movie poster definitely made me feel that it was going to be an action film too and i was like damn this is not an action film film. i was caught that so off guard i'm ready for like you know to be enjoying this movie eating my popcorn and you know what i mean and not having to deal with emotions and stuff like that but that was the complete opposite experience it was definitely hard to watch for sure yeah I had to take a break because I'm just like, this is too much for me right it now. It was intense. I need to like, <laughs> need to, like take a break. I'll come back. 
you know, in a couple hours, maybe, the, maybe the next day, and then I'll maybe watch it'll some get more. better. Yeah, I'll yeah. watch some more, and then I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. um, but the experience of the movie was obviously a positive watching it because of the message, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And and it's funny because there are two messages. There's the message that of bullying, you know, and being anti-bullying. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the message of like what education means and how seriously mm. it's being taken to an extent that causes a lot of problems. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? I saw that as well. Yes. And and that's not what the movie's about. And that's not what they're trying to make the movie about. But it's like, listen, the, the, the amount of emphasis that you put on education and, and not at all putting any emphasis in mental health because you put mm-hmm. so much emphasis right. is, is a reason why these things can happen. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, um, to kind of go to that point, like China had put censors up and actually didn't want it to, yep. you know, want the movie out there. So, you know, they had to actually pull it from one of the uh, from the Berlin Movie Fest uh, that they have um, f- a film festival mm, wow. uh, because basically China hadn't uh, greenlit it yet. And, you know, if you want to be able to have it um, go, you know, um, go to box offices, you have to get it approved. So, That's crazy. you know, um, it and it does paint China in a very kind of, you know, a harsh light because of it. I mean, ultimately, it has a good ending. But the fact that they do highlight some of these kind of taboo kind of discussion points that kind of that of bullying, um, you know, protect, you know, child protection laws that they have. Uh, even just last year, they finally expanded to include um, cyberbullying, um, having harsher sentences and actually even tying it to their parents as not, not just children as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's this social kind of commentary about how. Uh, parents and children and facilities, uh, you know, our schools have to take it, mm-hmm. have to take accountability for, you know, the citizens that they're putting out there. Yeah. I don't think it intended. Who knows? I mean, I think the Derek, uh, the director, Derek saying, um, I read that he's, he's from Hong Kong, he hails from Hong Kong. Mm. And that because this film is a Hong Kong slash mainland co-production the the mainland rules apply Mm. Mm -hmm. so that's why they had i guess mainland china had to kind of sign off on it and it may have been a slight shade at the institutions that the high school students have to go through and it just because i think there's little tidbits throughout the movie where they say the the gaoko college entrance exam is like the sole determinant of your future basically Right. It's like whether you go to university or not. And they, and then God. like, I, the, all the kids go onto like this bus. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah. again, it's like very warlike. And they're like, yay, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that was intentional by the director in terms of him to say, like, look at the amount of pressure that these kids have to go through that, that really determine, you know, the, uh, their, their future on top of being a teenager, on mm-hmm. top of dealing with love and emotion, and then on top of, and I'm kind of using uh, Chen Yang as, as, the, as a focal point here, on top of her parent, her mom wanting to say, like, our future depends on you. You know, I mean, for me as an American, looking at that to say, yes, I do have some criticism to that, but I, I, I got to imagine that's just how their structures work over there in China, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all Asian. Yeah. Have yeah, we all experienced that? Because I have. Right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That pressure. Not yeah. to that extent, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see where it comes from. Can I just say the back to back movies that I watched at the same time was 
first I watched, and I probably should have done the second. Like the first I watched to all the boys I love, mm. uh, always and forever. <laughs> so the third movie, right? So like, there's a lot of pressure for uh, Covey uh, to get into Stanford or into UC Berkeley, and and then you know the total complete opposite is better days where you know, people, there's like suicide and murder, and I was like, oh shit! Like I definitely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did not oh, walk into wow. that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, damn. We just don't have that same. Like, there, there's this, you know, the, the tiger mom aspect of, like, our parents, like, beating into us, sometimes literally, that we have to mm-hmm. do good in school. Mm-hmm. But not to the same extent of, like, this is your future or you die. You know, it's like, ooh. Yeah. Like, you're literally nothing if you don't get this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, our parents will tell us that, but they won't mean it. <laughs> they mean it. <laughs> They meet it in China. <laughs> they meet it. I mean, because you can think of it as this way. Like, you know, her mom was talking about her getting into the Beijing University as their way out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, there's all... And they, they that those chants are always about not disappointing their parents, not disappointing their teacher. And it really is ingrained in them about how who their self-worth is, is a part of the longer, uh, the larger structure of the of the entire community. And so if you look at education as a way out of poverty, then yeah, it is it is a winning lottery ticket that you invest in, right? Yeah. Um, Ronnie Chang actually does this really great bit about how, um, you know, uh, the fastest way <laughs> of climbing the social ladder is to go, like, if you're going from nothing to coming to the United States, be a doctor, right? <laughs> so, mm. so that's how we see it here at classes society in the, in the United States. You know, it's not necessarily about where what school you went to but it definitely is about your your status and your wealth um generation so that's why you know going from being um you know for the Hmong people we were i'm one generation removed from living in huts and villages in the jungles of laos wow. right where education was only given to you know certain Hmong men in the in their families and not to everyone distributed to then coming over here and, you know, working in tech and now, you know, making six figures, right? Like you go from having zero capital to a lot of capital. And so you are kind of building that bridge to like, you know, move your family up that social ladder. So, you know, there is a lot of pressure. I totally see it. And it and it's true. Even in China, um, you have to have special passports to be able to even move to a totally different city yeah, like Beijing. The system. Exactly, right? There's a lot of things that if you don't, for like, for non-Chinese viewers, mm-hmm. there's a lot of subtext that you don't understand mm-hmm. and you don't get unless you already know about the culture. Yeah, you can't leave the city. You're basically like stuck in a city unless you get, you know, you get into a university, you get some kind of credibility, usually in China that's ed- through education, you know, and connections. And if you have connections, you have an education. Right. Because that's the first thing that they get you if you have connections. Right, right. And it's also viewing it through this cultural lens of being American, right? But also being being Asian American. Yeah. You know, and we all come at a, from a different place. I lived in China for a little bit, so I can understand to a certain extent what that is like, but I'm not a Chinese national. Right. So there's also that gap watching that movie like you know maybe maybe a lot of criticisms that we have are sort of like like you said raymond that's just the structure that's the way it's set up right we're 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 looking at it for from our perspective Uh, even in the in throughout the movie the movie the they make announcements and the teachers are Mm -hmm. saying like hey if you're being bullied because i think it's intentional that the movie 
recognizes and does acknowledge bullying. Yeah. Right? It's not that this bullying incidences are happening in this tiny world between Nian and, and Wei Lai, but the school recognizes it. Well, they have to because there was a death. So the institution is saying, hey, if, you, if, if something's happening, say something about it. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of taking also a passive approach yeah. about it because yeah. they're not recognizing that it's because of the structures in place and the high pressures that the students have to go through they're dealing with this stress and they're not really talking about mental health and not taking a more proactive approach to kind of dealing with this, right? Yeah. So my mom is an immigrant. She came to America after or for grad school to go to UPenn. And my uncle started, I think, came to America at like 12 when the family moved to America. And he told me that, you know, he wasn't that great of a student in Taiwan because he just didn't care. He wanted to read comic books and, you know, be an individual and do what he wanted to do, play video games and watch movies. And Yeah. And he said when he came to America, like, he was like four years ahead of everybody else. Yes, exactly. Yet, yet <laughs> in Taiwan, he was like behind. And so that just shows oh. also like, you know, the amount of work that they're putting in is an insane, an absolutely mm-hmm. insane amount of work. These high school kids probably have like, damn near master's level educations a- mm-hmm. as they're going into, into university. College. Yes. Experiences by K is the Bay Area luxury picnic business that can be set up just about anywhere from the beach, park, your backyard, and more. Simply go to the website, book your picnic, show up, and enjoy a good time with your friends. Worry-free. Great for birthdays, anniversaries, proposals, you name it. Go to experiencesbyk.com right now for your upcoming occasion. And check out Experiences by K on Instagram. That's Experiences by K. Annie's Tea Cakes is an Oakland-based food company on a mission to provide plant-based Chinese food options to the world. Wow! As a longtime plant-based eater, Annie started this business to create a way for herself and others to enjoy the foods that are often shared with family but don't fit a plant-based diet. You know, this journey started with vegan Taiwanese pineapple cakes. That sounds amazing, I'll tell you that right now. Follow Annie's Tea Cakes on Instagram or go to annieteacakes.com to place your order today. And now, back to the show. The um, the cinematography I think was really interesting. The what I noticed from the film is they t- they tended to pair different the, these moments, especially when we see uh, Nian and Bishan start to uh, develop strong feelings for each other, and it kind of flashes between back and forth where Bishan is trying to protect her when he like intimidates Wei Lai, but they always kind of pair the two where there's always like a nice, lighthearted, cheerful moment with like a dark, scary <laughs> moment. <laughs> and I was like, it like didn't let you sit for too long. Just like constantly like, oh gosh, what's going on? You know, yeah. is this right or is this wrong? You know, is is there, the does the end, what is it? What's the saying? Does the end justify the means? Yeah, you know? <laughs> because you're scared for this. You're scared for Chen Yan because you don't know. Yeah. Because she doesn't have a, she doesn't even have parents really. Right. She doesn't even have like a place to go that's safe because she's being followed by these bullies. Oh, and the, the, the way the bullies bullied her, I was like, 
Yo, damn, you're kicking her and like cutting her hair and like have a box cutter. Like that sense of danger was always there, right? Yes. And then even when she goes to to Liu Bei Shan for help, even in the beginning, it's like, is he gonna? Is he? Can we trust this guy? You know, as a viewer, I'm like, can we trust this guy? I don't know about this guy, man. Like, yeah. But she can only go to him, and lucky, fortunately for us, you know, it turns into that sort of like love story of of two star-crossed lovers that should have never met each other ill-fated ill-fated lovers in our fair city of verona (laughs) it was definitely very uh very triggering to see him like pin her up against the wall yeah and just to show like how vulnerable and tiny she was in comparison right and they i you know they absolutely did that like they uh intentionally of making it so like he continues to be have this kind of hard shell of a unapproachable like yes, um yeah. like aloof like aloof and just like really closed off emotionally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know because it, it, it did help to kind of continue propel that story right he's like that the bad boy motorcycle d- uh, riding dude that your parents warn you about like don't get on the back of his bike right and it's like <laughs> that's why i wanted a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> okay right but they but they he's First of all, both all the acting in the movie is genius and brilliant. Paired with the writing, it's just like ama- it's just yeah. like one of the most amazing films I've ever seen. But Lu Beishan, the actor who plays him, like has such an arc, mm-hmm. and he did it so much justice with his acting. You know, because in the beginning he's just some random dude getting beat up. Yeah, that's how we are introduced to him. I, th- I I didn't think he was a main character. I yeah, like, I thought it was just like. Oh, this poor, poor kid. I thought it was just like, oh, she's passing by and these people are, this, this is a plot device to show us how dangerous the city can be. Right. That she's on the wrong side of the tracks, right? She yeah. lives in the bad side of town. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, oh, wait, this dude is a main character now, I guess. Oh, wow. Like everything, wow. Shout everything. Out Jackson Yee. Yeah. Jackson Yee killed it. J- uh, what's her name? J- ja, uh, Dong Yu. Dong Yu. Joe. Yeah. She killed it too. And can we talk about how she's like, she was like 26 playing a playing yeah. a 17 year old <laughs> and like not for a second did i believe that she wasn't tw- 17 right exactly i found that out i was like wow because here's the thing it's like she played that role like she she done seen some shit perfectly like she had experienced yeah. life and i was yes. like there's no yes. i was like i have to look up her age because i'm like i know she looks young but like how is she be how is she uh giving this role so much experience in life you know there was so much acting in her repressive way of doing it, right? She wasn't overt about it. And she did a lot of acting through just her body language, her facial expressions. Um, there's this one point where the investigator says, you know, um, when you look at someone's eyes right before they kill, you know, they have no expression. Yeah. Mm. And I thought, I, I thought, and she, you know, she goes, it's because they're afraid. Right. And it's, it was so interesting to be able to, ha- like, she delivered it so perfectly. And there were just so many amazing, captivating portions of her acting that was, was about the way that she was able to repress this rage and anger mm-hmm. and fear and like all of these things. And like, she just, she looked like, you know, pressure boiler, just ready to pop. But then you, but, it's so demure, so re- recessed within her. I thought she did such an amazing job. Yeah. It, I mean, it was like a, 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 a geyser when they were walking up the stairs. I, I saw that oh, coming. Yeah. So the, the way lies begging her, like, please don't uh, show yeah, the tape. Yeah, I saw that coming too. Uh, I was you like, know, okay. I'll do whatever. Oh. It, 
I'm like, push her. And I thought that was the end of it. I was like, okay, go your separate ways. But then she like kept pestering I her. Oh, man. Kept doing oh too much. God. And I was like, girl, you better walk away right yeah. now. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. Back off. Oh, my God. Overstaying your welcome. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that twist, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the twist was, was great. I, man, I get emotional even thinking about the part where like, Oh shit, I'm getting emotional right now. <laughs> oh my god. The part where the part where um you know he finds her because she's getting tailed by the police for her protection mm-hmm. and he drags her over to this abandoned like uh building yes. oh, and is man. like listen, he the only way down. that we, I the only way that that you can achieve your dreams is me saying that I'm the rapist and we're going to make where I'm going to do that. And that's the, yeah. what's going to be the story. She's like, "No." And he's like, I love you. I don't care. You know? (laughs) Yes. And what made that scene so perfect is that when the outsiders come, they don't, they don't know that. Right. We, we as viewers get to see this super complex emotional sphere that's living right in front Mm. of us that is so complex. And, um, you know, they're playing, they're crying, right? They're both crying and the police come and they see her crying and they're like, Oh, he was, he was assaulting her, but really she's crying because yeah. she loves him and doesn't want him to go to jail. And, and to, they can't show out to the world. Only they know. Yeah, and only they know. And that's what's so special about it is they have this connection and this understanding, this love for each other that only they have. It's like the highest form of devotion and, and loyalty. Yeah. And, and then you, you put it in with teenagers and, you know, as a teenager, everything is dialed up to yeah. like a thousand. Yeah. Your emotions are just going all over the place. And and we appreciate it too because as teenagers, we didn't make the most mature decisions, you know. <laughs> and so we're looking at these teenagers make the most mature decision, and and you know to that to to us or to to me as a teenager, something that's not serious, I'd have the same emotions that they were having, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but that experience that they had gave those emotions actual justice on a human right uh, yeah. objective level. You know, mm-hmm. not some teenage angst like, oh, my dad won't let me leave my house. I'm oppressed. <laughs> Mommy, daddy, give me money. I'm grounded. <laughs> grounded. <laughs> I can't see her. Um, I I am curious. Uh, who was bullied in high school, middle school? I was bullied. I was just about to ask, right? They ask, you're either the bully or you're the bullied. So which one are you? I was definitely bullied. So I was the bully's bully. Mm. I would always try whenever I would see um, someone something happening. I'd come in and then I would I would stop it. You know, my father was a black belt. Where were you, Renee? I needed you. Black belt. Hold on. I know. I'm sorry. And so my dad would teach me. Right. He would teach me how to be able to diffuse uh, situations. Be able to uh, you know pinpoint pressure points so you could be able to submit someone without actually hurting them right and so you know i used that to my advantage and had and had i also though you know had a huge family so if anyone ever pushed it i'm like you know what wow my family's right behind me so my whole point was always trying to make harmony and peace with with just the people around me and so Mm. a being the bully's bully made it so that you know, there was no tomfoolery when there was around me, when anyone was around me. Mm. You know, like, um, it it hurts me to be able to see that. So it was really, it was really painful, actually, to, like, watch this movie and see. And I actually recorded every time 
that you know Chenyan uh, got bullied, and there was let me <laughs> let me multiple let me times, I, multiple I times. So uh, just to categorize to categorize it, uh, there was blood in her seat, taking embarrassing photos. Uh, right there was they cornered her and intimidated her by like you know putting her in an RNC mm. uh, when she got pinned up against the wall um, when they lobbed the volleyballs at her. Uh, they pushed her down the stairs, and and you know that was actually kind of foreshadowing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the girls, um, you know, coming at her with a box cutter, and then like the mice. I'm not sure what the mice was all about, but you know, and basically having to be stuck in the dumpster. Another one was, you know, the girls walking her home, and you kind of think that oh, she's kind of building camaraderie. Nope, that's when they gang up on her, cut her hair, tear her clothes off, you know, mm. and. And rip up her books and notes, right? And they so they knew how they were using their intimidation and and just like their bullying to like really get at her. Um, oh, and then like the you know her mom, right? Her the the posters of her mom, you know. Oh, so oh, you know yeah. there was all of these different ways that of was triggering. It, it, man, I know, right? And so it was just like just chick chick chick, like every single second there was something against her. Um, and then so basically when you get to the middle of the movie you think oh now she's got a bodyguard right everything's going to be okay but at, it's actually right after that because she feels sense of calm again right because she has this bodyguard is when they get her the worst and they record it and they post it on social media about of her getting her hair cut off and her the clothes set up. off right it was a setup exactly so you, you really feel incredibly bad for Chen Nian but then you also think you know was there a situation where someone did that to you or someone you knew and you couldn't stop it, you know? And, um, mm. and I think that's why I wanted to be able to make sure like that never happened around me. Ryan, would you be able to oh, uh, talk about your bullying experience? Um, we are, we're all going on the couch in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously like that bullying is not sort of like, I mean, I, I th- there are situations where older brothers can really bully their younger brothers. Yeah, right. But that wasn't, it wasn't like a serious thing. But more so, it was like, my older brothers were my Lu Beishans, you know? They yeah. were my protectors. Mm-hmm. So the bullying that I did experience, you know, they took care of that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when, when uh, you know, they got older and I was by myself, I was like, oh, shit, okay. There was a period yeah. of time before I grew because I'm like 6'3 and I got really good at sports. There was a period of time where like I was bullied and people would steal my lunch tickets and do all kinds of things. And I I just never wanted to fight. Like I, I just don't see any purpose in ever fighting right. or like causing the pain that they're trying to cause to me. I just never, it doesn't make me feel good, you know, because I understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think even like young Ryan, when I was getting bullied, I had compassion for the people because what they were doing to me was coming from a situation that they were experiencing of pain and suffering. And I didn't want to add to that. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that fighting wasn't going to solve anything. There's sometimes where you need to protect yourself and that's for sure, you know, there's the last straw and it's like, okay, we're going to go fisticuffs. Let's go. (laughs) And I could defend myself. Fisticuffs. Let's go. Fisticuffs. Like I have no experience (laughs) fighting. That's how I call fighting. Fisticuffs. Um, But yeah, I've, I experienced it. And also, I understand now as a grown man that, you know, there are ways to, to, uh, ah, what's the word? Diffuse. Diffuse the situation mm-hmm. with words mm-hmm. and understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and if you ha- can have empathy for where that person is coming from, you know, I've had a lot of situations where, where I've said something 
you know, as a, on a post or said something out loud or, you know, been at a, at a panel or something and said something and someone comes at me with hate. And I'm like, a lot of that is just misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, because so many people want to pick a binary side. Yeah. And because I'm multicultural, I'm like, and, and multi-ethnic, I'm just like, listen, I know that there's no sides. So if we're talking, let's, let's get to the point of what we're actually talking to and what we're going through. Right. And I think that's, that could solve the source of a lot of bullying too, you know? I was bullied in high, uh, not high school, middle school, more so middle school. Uh, luckily, I think that was, I believe that was the worst of, worst of it. But I can definitely say that there was moments where I look back to say that could have really changed me. And I, so I have older cousins, older siblings, mm-hmm. and maybe they were able to kind of be my stabilizers uh, to prepare me to be a better person and help me be a better person. Uh, but Renee, do you like this movie more as a crime mystery thriller or more of a love story? Uh, that's so funny that you say that because earlier on, um, you had said about how like it felt like there's two different movies we're watching. I mean, it almost felt like, you know, Gone Girl does the very same thing, right? Mm. Where you're watching two very different movies. You know, I personally, um, I think you needed both. You needed both to be able to kind of uplift the, the and see like there's hope, uh, because it was really dark and grim. Um, I definitely would say I do like, uh, the crime, uh, drama aspect of it, the more so, but I do still relate to, you know, uh, Chen Yin falling in love with the bad boy, uh, <laughs> because she doesn't have any stability and he's basically wow. the only thing in her life that, that gives her hope, right? So I appreciated both. Yeah, and it's also the other way around too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like they both give each other hope, yeah. Yeah, the part where Chen Yen jumps into the dumpster to hide from the girls and then the phone goes off. I'm like, no, <laughs> phone on silent, come on. I know. <laughs> I know, that's how the killers get you. But <laughs> also like how that that girl like really wasn't about that life. She was just a follower yeah. of right. those bullies. Like, cause she yeah. didn't want to actually, she heard the phone and she's like, I don't want to. I don't want to find, I don't want to actually find her. Like, yeah. Classic scary movie tactic there. I, I think another one of my favorite scenes too is how, you know, he comes back from joking with the boys at the cop, at being, being picked up by the cops, um, and being charged for the, or being like a suspect for this rape and they're all not taking it seriously because they didn't oh, do yeah. it. And then he comes home in that, in that like funny, funny manner. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but also concerned like, oh, I, I didn't protect her today, but she's probably fine. And then seeing her like covered in her own blood and right. like, her hair oh, all yeah. cut up and her sh- her shirt ripped and she's just trying to focus on taping her homework together. Right. Oh my right. god! And and when he recognizes that and how uh, upset he gets, yes, you know, mm-hmm. because in in that scene, all the guilt yes. and of him not being there and the love. The one time for he her wasn't there was there, yeah. and she's like, "Don't go out there. You're gonna get yourself killed. You're gonna go to jail." Yeah. So it's like that. There's always that constant tension and push and pull, right? You know, it was so perfectly executed. It really was well done. Because the thing is, what what you know, saddled right by it is right before it. She asks him, you know, like, does it hurt? And he's like, you're the first person to ever ask me that. Oh yeah. And he knows he can take it. He's been taking a beating since he was, you know, like several years prior to that event. But she's he sees her as this wholesome thing that he that he needs to protect. But also at the same point is like she knows she can protect herself and because she's been protecting herself this entire time. She has a single mom. 
Her mom is constantly gone, so she's basically by by herself and having to fend for herself. So she knows she's the survivor. But, you know, so there's, so, you know, it's really be able to be seeing all those different facets. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, it was really, like, again, it was really well done. Uh, interesting tidbit. You reminded me when the the after they shaved each, uh, each other's head, the rest of the crew and like the core crew, they shaved their heads too. I guess in like solidarity when they were shooting it. Oh, like the people who are. Oh, wow, that's dope. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wow. So I guess like Jackson when they after they shot that scene and they shaved his head, they took all. Uh, they took like a group picture and uh, one of the interviews that I watched. He showed us a picture of all the rest of the crew also with their shaved head. I know. Wait, did other women shave their head? I don't know if it was the entire crew, but it was like the core, like probably like the director, the producers, stuff like that. Because a woman shaving her head is way different than a man shaving his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to wrap up the the episode here. Um, overall, I, I think the the message of the movie clearly says you know bullying is a is a huge issue um renee you mentioned how there's they're trying is trying to create these policies anti-bullying policies yes it did remind me kind of thinking how we're kind of in this age of cyberbullying. i think ryan you touched upon it a little bit too well people can nowadays simply send hate through uh, via message and that sterilization of through of the internet mm. being away from it right because mm. even when we were bullied in person, you can see reaction. Yep. There's an emotional consequence, yeah. if you will. Whether you're being bullied or bullied, yeah. what are ways that we can hopefully prevent it and how do we move forward from it? Man, uh, honestly, I've been affected by it. Just being so mm. involved, in the, especially in the past six months. In, and I'm not talking about like, um, well, I'm talking about deep things, right? That have social implications and I'm talking about like structural racism and mm-hmm. identity and stuff like that. And so I do get a lot of people in my comments that say heinously racist things and ignorant things. And I can't, I can't pretend like it doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just, I actually need to take a break because I need to, cause I will get caught in that storm of trying to defend myself against these people who pretty much 99% of the time, the people that are saying those things are anonymous. Yes. They have no profile picture. They don't have any following. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like you you go through all the trouble of creating a fo- fake profile just to send this. It's like, that makes no sense to me. Or it's just a profile where they don't, it's private and you just can't see them. You know? Yeah. It's not necessarily fake. You know? It's just they use this to say what they want to say. And unfortunately for us, it, it's negative things. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine going on Instagram or social media and just going there to say negative things about people. Right. That's sad. Horrible. And and really like, you know, a lot of people say, just don't go on there and then you won't see it. No, you know, people use this as a, as a, as a tool to spread joy. Right. Right. And, and to say, oh, don't go on there, leave is like, so you're just going to let the bullies take over the space. Mm. That's not a cover your eyes. No, it's, that's not, it's not that cut and dry and simple and easy. This platform is for people who want to spread joy and awareness too. Right, yeah. right. So for me, the way that I deal with it is sort of understanding that they don't deserve a response. Yeah. They don't deserve a response. You know? Yep. You just and 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 another thing that my brother tells me too is like just focus on the output. Yeah. Don't focus on the input. Because even like the people who 
because they're strangers. Do you know what I mean? Like, would you take this advice? Would you get into these arguments with strangers in person? No, you wouldn't. And these people wouldn't say the things they say to your face. Right, right. So don't give them the satisfaction of a response because they wouldn't get one if they actually said it to your face and meant it yeah. and, and had to deal with actual consequences. I'll definitely say that, thank God that there wasn't the social media presence when I was in middle school and high school, because I definitely feel like it would have been way, like just absolutely terrible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not someone who's immune to it. I've definitely, like as an adult, I've had people, um, you know, hate on me, um, you know, take photos of me and like, uh, post nasty shit about like made up shit about me for whatever reason. Mm. And whatever, you know, uh, go ahead, um, sling your arrows. I don't care. But at the same time, you know, I, a lot of what I do squarely focuses on uplifting the community, uplifting our mm. voices, focusing on the positive, mm-hmm. making sure that I'm giving a platform to other, um, artists in the community to be able to make sure that they feel uh, supported and really about just focusing on, on, you know, on the efforts that make a difference, which is, not making people feel like they're alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it there's a you can there's tons of neg- negativity and it costs them nothing, but it costs also, you know, also it makes more sense for us to go ahead and try to continue to be positive um especially during this time when we're all kind of locked in locked down and just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing that I, I really want to be able to kind of focus on is like as Asians and Asian Americans and as like, you know, first generation born here, all we know about is survival. They, we had to figure out how we can build something for ourselves. And, you know, so focusing on all that bullshit to, to tear us down is not going to be productive for us. Mm-hmm. It really is about continuing to kind of just move forward. Um, and persevere and be resilient. So, you know, my whole thing is about teaching resilience. Amen. I love that. Well, I, I want to end it on the, on those notes. I want to express my gratitude and appreciation for Mr. Ryan Alexander Holmes for coming on to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very wonderful. much. I, I want to ask, do, do you always ensure people say your full name too? Put, put respect on your name. I mean, no, no. I mean, that's that's my stage name, but you call me whatever, man. Or don't call me whatever. Call me one of my names. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, at yeah, least call yeah. me my name. <laughs> uh, Ryan, thank you again for coming on to this podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm so, I would love to have you come back. Um, we can talk movies Absolutely. all day. Again, we, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours on end. Thank you, everyone. Tune in next time for another episode of Real Asian Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to follow us and subscribe at Real Asian Podcast. And check out our website, realasianpodcast.com.